Hello. The year is nearly, nearly, thank fuck, nearly almost over. And to help see you right through to the end of it is the regular team. It's me, Rick, along with Alex and Paula. And as always, we're going to tell you about what we've beaten, retired, played. And this week, we're going to be talking Game Pass and all things games as a service. And we've got a question from the community about PC exclusives. Mm-hmm. As finishing off with your favorite podcast-based game show. Say it with me. How, How long, long to be, long be the game. game? That wasn't that bad. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> so <laughs> let's jump right in. Um, and in terms of what we've beaten, why don't you start, Alex? Because you've only got the one. Yes, I have beaten Picross Four. <laughs> um, and and it's not Picross. Yeah, this one is not Picross. This one is just Picross. <laughs> um, yeah, I um. God, man, oh, I. I sunk a lot of time into this game. Like I was calculating all my time uh, in it the other day just to see, because you know, the nice thing with um, the Switch is that you could put the parental controls on. And so it'll let you actually um, see how long you've played a game. And like, it's not perfectly accurate because they mostly round up by like five minutes, but I spent 18 hours playing this game. And I'm like, oh damn, which is I guess below the average, uh, but I'm pretty quick at Picross now. So like I didn't beat, it has four modes. And so I just counted the first mode, which is like the normal Picross. And then there's one called Clip Picross where you're like making like a big picture with it. And so I beat those two. They have a thing in this called Mega Picross, which is just like ginormous. And like maybe one day I'll try it. But they also have a color Picross version. And I tried the color version. It's it's a whole other kind of puzzle. And I was just like, I don't want to learn this. I'm done. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I like Picross. I don't want to mess around with colors. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's all I beat. Uh, it's Picross. If you like Picross, it's great. If you don't like Picross, it's terrible. <laughs> so in terms of what I've beaten, I'll jump in. I've gotten, what do they call it? It's a white whale. It's not a white elephant. I, one that's been sat on my back for most of the year anyway, which is Bravely Default for the 3DS. I, uh, just before and, and a little bit during the initial of Cyberpunk, I decided I was just going to clear it out. So um, I restarted Bojack Horseman. While I was watching that, I blasted through the battles. Did some completion bits. So there's a load of blue treasure chests that unlock in Chapter 6. I got all of those. There's various abilities for a secret job class called the Vampire. I got all of those. And there's a final job that you can unlock in Chapter 6 through a really fucking hard boss battle. I'm not going to say who, because that might be a little bit spoilery too much. But after a few tries, I beat him. And that was a really satisfying fight because I had to juggle my strat a little bit to make it work. Mm. I sort of wish they'd cut out the time loop and just gone straight to the Route A ending. Because like I was saying last week, and like I said on the forum, for everything that this game nails, both in terms of iteration and in terms of refinement, it just has no respect for you, the player, and no conception of editing, it feels and while there is a story justification for what they've done, it's really flimsy. And in my opinion, and seemingly in most people's opinions, and, and I think, Paul, you probably back me up on this, it, it just isn't good enough. It's not good enough a reason for what they expect you as a player to do in service of it. Yeah, I remember when I was playing Bravely Default, I think it was a couple of years ago, I was like uh, on the time loop already, and um, I was like with, with my boyfriend and he was like, why are you doing this? Are you a masochist or what? I had I those like, thoughts. 
Yeah, and I was like, I know I can't beat this because I am stubborn as hell. So <laughs> if you tell me there's uh, an ending be behind something stupid, I'm going to try to get to it. Yep. Although the, the initial plan, and I think I said this the other week, was to do the A route, leave it four or five months and then come back and with another Netflix series or something similar, just power my way through to the to the true end. But quite a few people have told me it's really not worth it. So I'll see how I feel in a few months. I might just go back and watch it on YouTube. And the frustrating thing is, just to repeat what I've said before, apart from that, I think it's almost flawless. And and even that bullshit was only enough to bring it down from a 10 to a 9 mm. in terms of my personal rankings. So it's still a great game and I'd still recommend it. I almost feel, I think, a little bit like you did with Spirit Tracks, Alex, where I think you should experience it. I don't think you should feel like you need to, certainly not for the true end, I don't think you should feel like you need to properly beat it to have enjoyed it. But it was a nice... 60 hours, at least 15 hours too long, but it was it was nice, even in the grindy bits, because the combat is excellent. The other game I've beaten, and this was a fun one with friends of the podcast, Uvert and Dragon, uh, we had a little playthrough of a cooperative virtual novel called Monster Prom. Nice. And it's really simple. You play as monsters at high school who have to try and get a prom date. <laughs> and there's okay. stat checks and dice rolls and dialogue choices it's not especially deep because it's designed to replay through multiple times with multiple gotcha. people a playthrough can take anywhere from like 60 to 90 minutes but the joy in it really is the writing it's really excellently written mm. we were giggling the whole way through and it's an excellent time not sure i'd recommend it if you don't have a friend to play it with i did do a solo run on my own just out of sheer curiosity after we'd played and it was fine it was also, I have to come clean partially because the dice rolls fucked me in our playthrough. So I uh, I didn't get a date to prom the first time round and, and my ego couldn't let that slide. So I had to I had to go back and get a fucking date. But if you if you've got at least one friend to play it with, absolutely get it because it, it is it's a great little little couch co-op sort of party game type thing. Sorry, that sounds uh, so funny. Cool. It's like if you don't have friends <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gatekeeping <laughs> the monster from is what I'm doing. That's good. Sorry, it's so cool for but from when, from what I've heard, you can actually sell it at your friends. You can, yeah. In the end, in the end, we didn't do that. So there was a there was a moment actually when we played where basically the the weeks are very specifically structured, and then at the weekends you have random events, and they won't necessarily involve all of the people in the group. Mm. So. The two we had, there was one where uh, Uwe's character, we'd all gone to an art museum, um, and Uwe's character managed to destroy one of the paintings by accident. And the proprietor says, if you can make me a better one, I'll let it slide. You have to pick one of your friends to help you do it. Anyway, we failed the creativity role, and um, it, it ass blasted in terms of our stats. And then the second one, his sort of crush, the one he was going down on the route, had a, a conversation with me separate. And I could choose to backstab him or, or like raise him up. So you, you can definitely be a dick. I didn't, so I, I can't know <laughs> what that like. It's it's an option. Um, and it's cheap as well. It's only like seven or eight pounds. I think I got it for three pounds in the sale. 
they they quite like taking sixty nine percent promotions. So <laughs> <laughs> that took you a second. We, I can tell oh, we're recording that. early morning for you. Yeah, this is early morning, Alex. <laughs> it's like it's like I have to process. You know, the joke goes in, it takes a second, yeah. and then it happens. <laughs> why Why don't you have a nap, Paula? Why don't you tell us what you've eaten? Um. Okay. So I kind of needed like a little break from narrative games like and stuff so i went with uh, a little puzzle game called snake bird that is a really weird yet interesting puzzle game like you have this little they're called snake ears because they kind of move like think of the game snake but uh they eat and they get uh bigger but when they move, the their body like stays like in the same path, I guess. Yeah, they're not affected by gravity, are they? I feel like I've played this game very briefly before. Yeah, they are not affected by gravity unless they aren't like unless some part of their body isn't like on top of something else. Right, right. So uh, you pretty much uh, have to bring one or more of these to a, a little portal thingy to um, finish the level. Uh, sometimes to do to even open the portal, you have to eat all the fruit in the level. Mm, so the puzzle becomes like, okay, you have to reach this place. So you have to arrange your snake birds in such a way that they actually are able to reach that place. But also you have to get all the fruit and you have to be careful because you can actually get stuck in something because you uh, ate the fruit in the wrong order or uh, moved the snake bird like in the wrong order. It does have like an undo feature. So it is not as frustrating to find yourself like in a position you can't go on. It does have a couple of very stupid, difficult levels to the point that it is more frustrating than than fun but they're like few and far between and you can um actually like not do all the puzzles but still get to the credits hmm. the final puzzle oh my god who is the psycho who invented that <laughs> um so yeah that's nickler i also finished I florence. To... the other game i finished was florence that really not it's like a really short game about moving on. It is less than an hour uh, long. Like, it is really short. The gameplay is really simple. But I found that even if the gameplay is very simple, it is not... Like, the gameplay is not intended to be difficult or to put, like, um, a barrier to the player, but to serve the story. Hmm. Because, like, it really is... It really has like a bunch of little mini games as you experience the story of the game that is more or less put like in this comic-like format. The game doesn't have a single word on it, hmm. yet it is able to convey the feelings of the story and the story itself only through the images and uh, the little gameplay it has. Cool. So yeah, if you find it like at a good price, Steam, it is. I think it's always like a couple of bucks, like during Steam sales and stuff. Um, 
You might want to try it. Yeah, I've always had an eye on that game because that's the one with like the yellow background, right? And she's got like the bluish hair. Yeah, okay, I know what game you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, that game. I've always, I don't know why, it's just, I've always just seen it. It's always like appeared on like sales and stuff, and the the artwork always caught my eye. I was like, what is that? And I'm like, I should check that out someday. <laughs> so maybe I will. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, don't don't go in there like expecting anything too complicated. It's just like another way to tell a story. Uh, in a more interactive format mm. and I have to admit I became a, very, uh, a fan of it mm. uh, so yeah this is oh. Annapurna interactive that makes perfect sense yeah that Annapurna puts out <laughs> real cool like beautiful games um, okay cool it is a quintessential Annapurna release yeah I'm gonna have to check the developer then <laughs> yeah you oh you will like that developer they make some cool stuff yeah, if I can throw you a cheeky recommendation, I think this was them. Uh, I played a, a game about six months ago called Assemble with Care, and I'm just going to double check it is them. I would recommend it even if it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, well, there you go. I'd recommend it anyway. <laughs> it felt like a them game. But yeah, no, they, they, they do good stuff. They have, it's a little bit like Devolver, where they have a, a really strong niche for, for mechanically intense indie games. Um, obviously they've branched out a little bit since then but that's always how they started and then Annapurna is, is similar where it's like a story focused well I mean they're going to be yeah they're behind you know the pathless and 12 minutes is them and um, like Kentucky, oh, Root, Kentucky Route Zero Sayonara Wild Hearts yeah like those are all them oh, okay. uh, Gone Home Ooh. What Remains of Edith Finch, Gora Gora like all those really interesting kind of outer wilds too actually so like there's just like tons of these games that are that are um, published by them so um anything that you see where it's like it has like an interesting colorful art style it's like probably annapurna interactive (laughs) 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 what was the other one oh yeah they're also making that that stray game the one with the cat in like the futuristic uh setting of course that's them yeah yeah yeah. i'm Uh, the one yeah which one oh it's this one called it's It's a game called stray it's like it's a robot world, uh, but there's this cat who's like investigating this robot world. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. It was at E3 and everyone lost their yeah. minds. Well, not E3 because we didn't have that this year, but like in those announcements. Mm. Yeah. And what was that last one that you beat, Paula? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Confines of the Crown is a vision novel game. Um, a little bit if of calling it an domain because like it's a very specific kind of vision novel, but... Uh, some people could call it uh, an otome, and you are, what's the word for it, a page, like, uh, you serve a, a prince, pretty much. Hmm. And you go to this, oh my god, what was her name? Balois. Yeah, Balois. What was her first name? Ma, Ma something. Madeline? I'm gonna call her Balois. <laughs> uh, but she, pretty much, you are set up in this story where uh, she serves uh, her prince and she pretty much wants this one event to go well so her kingdom and the neighboring kingdom can have like a good uh, relationship like and establish like uh, bonds and traits and stuff like that um, but Things don't always go like you want, and the princess of the neighboring kingdom gets kidnapped. So it kind of turns into this um, 
unexpected mystery because um, there's that, hmm. but there's also a bigger mystery behind it. <laughs> I was just sort of giggling because uh, I looked up the the like description of the game, and they have a really good description of it. It's a really good description, and actually, <laughs> uh, what. I wasn't gonna play this in the first place, but um, like so soon, mm. uh, and that actually works for me because we can go to the retired games of the week. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah, yeah. both nice. straight on three. Nice segue. Let's uh, let's rock into what we've retired. You want to take it away, Paula? <laughs> yeah, um, because like I was a little bit disappointed at. Uh, these two vision novel games that are a photo affair and the world on the world oh my the world unknown because the first a photo a photo affair was um vision novel about like you are this character that is like a seer you are allowed to look at your own future and then you're setting to a route based on what future you saw. It was a really interesting hmm. concept, but I wasn't really feeling it because like the protagonist was too much of a blank slate. Hmm. Which um like on visual novels, you kinda want like a protagonist that has a little bit more personal of personality if you're going to do like a story with it. Uh because it seemed that there was something going on. But I feel the protagonist wasn't like to uh, enough of a character to actually carry the plot. Hmm. I may be hmm. wrong, and it, there wasn't supposed to be like that big of a plot, but that was like I felt that something was amiss because the other characters were actually pretty interesting, but hmm. I wasn't really feeling it for them. And the world unknown, this one. Like the TV artwork that it had was really charming, but there are some things that are more important, like on a visual novel, because yeah, like since you're like constantly interacting, like for example with the UI and the scene at hand, you actually want uh, the UI, um, the general look of the game to be rather pleasing, because otherwise uh, it gets all really fast. Mm. And for example, some of the backgrounds of the game were really decent, but there was like one special background that was really jarring, and I was like, okay, I know this seems shallow, but the writing is all over the place for a couple of characters. And I was like, okay, I guess I've been spoiled by the bigger Otome games out there. I'm sorry to for this one but i had to retire and then i found the other game that i actually completed like in two or three days because the confines of the crown is like eight hours long no 10 hours long 100 percent i'm looking at it now the the ui doesn't even look that bad it just looks very plain but then i suppose it's more ux if you're interacting with it if it doesn't quite work right mm. yeah like i'm usually uh, okay with for example, a plain UI, if the rest of the visual novel makes up for it. Mm -hmm. I guess I've been spoiled like by, especially like by the last game, Kaven and the um, Geofury, that they had like 
these really thematic menus screens like you in cafe Entente, you literally have like the extras that um when you went to a uh, characters uh, extra stuff mm. uh, you actually see their like the the menu of their favorite food or stuff like that in future it you have like vinyls for the music um, so it would feel sterile by comparison i see what you're saying yeah it's kind of a shame because like i actually play uh, some indie visual novels that are pretty good actually like cinderella phenomenon it is free and it is fantastic <laughs> like even the art the ui everything and the music is so pretty and it is completely free and you can actually like uh, buy the art for the developer, right? The Doki Doki um, model, yeah. Mm. Actually, Fantis uh, is coming soon because they announced that it will come out on the on November twenty third. Wink, wink. But <laughs> but aside, like I like seeing indie developers tackle the visual novel genre, especially if they are doing like Otome, that is super niche. Mm. So it's a little bit sad when stuff gets a little bit too messy to actually see their 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 work and effort. That's fair. Mm. Um, I don't have much experience in that world, but I know what you mean. Like it's like sometimes you play games that are like just slightly. Actually, you know, it's like it's like Spiders Interactive. This is not the visual novel, but like I don't know, you know, the company Spiders. They make like um. They made like techno or whatever, and they made Greenfall. Yeah, yeah they make the double A ones. Yeah, and like I actually think they're really fun and nice. It's just that like I can't finish them because the reality is like what you're saying, Paul. It's like they feel so close to what the like triple A or like more polished games feel like, but it's just those little things that you're like, ah, you're missing like this key quality of life thing, or like this element is not there, and it just like. It makes it tough. I, I like I have more like appreciation for them because I'm like, oh, it's so cool that you're trying to do this thing that these other big companies do. But then mm-hmm. you just have that moment where you're like, but ah, it's really <laughs> hard to enjoy this because you can't oh, quite get there. I love that fucking backhander. It's so good <laughs> that you're trying. <laughs> if anyone's played Greedfall, you know I played. I've played like a lot of that game. Actually, I, I got through like maybe almost halfway through it, and I was like, I can't, 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 can't. I recommend people try it. Like respect to that company. You know, I, I don't. I'm glad I gave them money, but it's like, <laughs> man, it is just the the classic Alex Spirit Tracks recommendations. So I'll give it a go. Don't don't like actually properly play it. Yeah, don't play the whole thing. Just try it. <laughs> See if you like it. <laughs> It has cool <laughs> ideas, and it's a dark story. <laughs> uh, yeah, Greedfall's kind of fucky with, with where it goes. It is very... Oh, yeah, man. It's, it's, it deals with colonialism, and it goes there. So, like, it's, it's good shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, like, that's what that game is about. Um, all right. So, uh, Rick, why don't you tell us? What did you retire? Yeah, short and sweet. I just retired Fez. So, hmm. pretty much what we were saying last week, it just felt a bit thin to me. Obviously... Hmm there's something cool in there. I think if you're willing to engage with the whole cipher language that the developers written within the world and pour over the maps and, and all that bullshit, you'd probably get more out of it than I did. What I got was a platformer with a dead map, kind of weird level design, 
and a cool but relatively flimsy sort of rotate the world mechanic. And it there's definitely a good game there. I just wasn't inclined to try and find it because I've mm-hmm. I've got other stuff that's going on. Cyberpunk is occupying more and more of my life, and I'll, I'll use that as a segue in two seconds to get straight into what we're playing. Well, I still um, have to talk about when I've retired. Oh, <laughs> Let's not so jump the gun it. here, Rick. That's actually going to be really funny because my retired is going to take like three seconds. Say, <laughs> you don't have much to say about rice. I don't, <laughs> but I wanted to jump in there anyway because that's way more fun. <laughs> I wanted to make me feel better. Exactly. I was like, I just want to, I just want to make you feel better. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I, go on then. Tell us. Yeah, I retired Rice Son of Rome because I'm playing other games because I'm playing cyberpunk which i'll use to transition into what we're playing wow. in two seconds <laughs> you bet that's getting fucking edited out wow <laughs> uh, but really though i just stopped i'm like halfway through rise and like um it's great i just was like oh there's other games right now that are out so like i know it's not going anywhere you know what i mean like that's not a game that's gonna leave game pass microsoft owns that game that game yeah. is gonna stick there forever so i was just like i'll get back to it later um and it's so chuggy so yeah i, I just haven't so now shall we transition into what Let's we are talk playing. about cyberpunk <laughs> yeah. he says very very hard <laughs> I know. you know i i'm i'm a little further in cyberpunk now like i'm i'm basically at the start of act two um like a little bit past act two and honestly i i it's really cool game great game i might stop playing for a bit because i just think it's being patched like every other day <laughs> i'm like Maybe I'm just going to wait until they've gotten like quite a few of their updates through it. And like, because I've got lots of games right now that I honestly, honestly, it's because I want to play KOTOR 2. Um, I'm just like, I don't know why, but I really want to play that game again. And I saw that it's on. This is the crazy thing with the Xbox is like, I know people say like, oh, what's the point of backwards compatibility? And I was like, dude, I boot up the Series X and like I can buy an Xbox original game. And it was like dirt cheap and I just have it on the Series X and it performs incredibly well. And like they have all these 360 games and it's just like, it makes it so that I'm like, yeah, there's not a ton of new Series X games to play at the moment, I guess. But like, I don't even give a shit because I'm only going to buy those games when they're on sale anyway. So it's like having all these other games to go back and play and they look so much better now. It's like, oh, makes me happy. But anyway, um, Cyberpunk is good. It's buggy as shit. It's cool. And that's where I am on it. What about you and Cyberpunk, Rick? Because I know you're playing it too. Yeah, and I'm having a bit of a weird experience. So before I say anything, mm-hmm. I have to preface this with, with two mm-hmm. things. The first is I am enormously biased in favor of the game. I'm a massive genre <laughs> fan. I've been, I've been waiting on this <laughs> since 2013. Mm-hmm. So I was always going to be, I think, a little bit more forgiving maybe mm-hmm. than others. But the other thing is I feel like I'm living in a pocket universe where I have the only working copy for PS4. Oh, shit, nice. I, yeah, oh it's, it's quite weird. I've had friends who've who've bought the game, had all the problems that the press have been talking about, and and are very happy that Sony have decided to refund the digital versions, and and that's being honoured now. I have physical, so it's neither here nor there. But I am actually immensely happy with the game. It is ropey. I have had crashes, but I've also next to no progress because the autosave is really aggressive. Um, and the, the moment-to-moment gameplay, in my experience, has been fantastic. I haven't mm-hmm. had the frame drops that people have talked about in combat. Um, I've had an absolute minimum of visual glitches. Like I've had the odd thing where 
where something will like clip into the ground for a second and come back up. I've had two instances where I've had to reload saves uh, once to get myself out of a ceiling and once to get an object from a dead enemy out of the floor. But again, you, you lose like 20 seconds of progress because when, when those things happen, you can make an auto save there and then, reload the save. And, and interestingly, compared to some other PS4 games, the loads aren't that bad. Um, it's a pretty quick loading game, yeah. And then the 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 item that's clipped will will reload where it's supposed to be, um, and it's just been generally excellent for me mm. in terms of performance, in terms of gameplay. I found the writing to be quite good so far, mm. um, and and it reminded me a little bit of Ghost of Tsushima in the sense that on a on a bald sort of macro level, it is basically open world checklist yeah. outside of the main story. It's full of random gang fights to break up uh gigs and side missions and police contracts and dead drops and all kinds of stuff that we would decry in, in ubisoft games and other stuff but one the way it's set up and the way it's displayed makes a difference mm-hmm. uh, and and two it feels like actual care and attention and love has been put into all of it e- mm-hmm. even the random sort of fight pop-ups uh and i i felt that with ghost of tsushima it's what seems to be missing from from Assassin's Creed and, and some of the other games that, that do that kind of thing. Is Assassin's Creed even Assassin's Creed anymore? It's a Viking game. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it was good to stop being Assassin's Creed a long while ago. It, it's Ubisoft template TM. It's that thing. But that that's sort of my point. Like Cyberpunk does that, but does it how it ought to be done and in a way that actually is engaging from a player. I've barely touched the story. I've I've got hmm. thirty hours left in the game. And I'm I I've just finished Act One and I've I've done the slightest bit of progress in Act Two. So um, Wait, you just finished but, Act One? Yeah, so I, I for context, like I've I've done the mission where you get Johnny. That's yeah. not a spoiler, they've talked about that in all the pre release. Um I've spoken to Judy and I've spoken to Rogue in the immediate aftermath of that. And I've had the first meeting with Takamura in the coffee shop. Oh, okay. I'm. I'm that, that, that's how, I haven't we're about the same point, seen Tak Takamura yet, but yeah, we're at basically the same point. I've just spent less time. I kind of powered through the main stuff first because I was like, I have a feeling once I power through this stuff, the game's gonna actually open up for me more, and that was the accurate. because <laughs> um, you don't see the opening logos, the like the actual title card for the first like six hours or so. Um, it's kind of like yeah, a, and it. <laughs> The it's intro like, was a bit like too tightly wound. I felt because there were mm. there were actions I knew I could do that that was sort of locked off for a bit while you were getting the story stuff done. Yeah, it, I feel like it slightly discourages second playthroughs, but we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. Like part of me is like, oh Jesus, if I play this again, I'm gonna have to go through that fucking long ass intro. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, I don't want to. Yeah. God damn it! Um, but I don't know. I will probably replay it. I know. See, I've actually been enjoying the shit out of hacking. Like, oh man. Like my combat style, I've been doing a lot of stealth. I guess it's like the magic using, uh, if you want to call it like RPG style. It's like magic is essentially hacking and yeah, like running type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's been great for stealth for me. Like I love, like I'll stealth around and then I'll just like, I'll bust their optics and then they like, can't see me. So I can just like run it right behind them. And I'm like, gotcha. And it's like so we super fun. The exact opposite way then because yeah. I'm, I'm basically firefighting everything. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've specced into body. Mm-hmm and um and reflexes and i I do the quick hack stuff as well but it's primarily like Mm -hmm. i'll i'll set one person to like have their brain overheat and then Mm -hmm. i'll I'll turn on a tv to distract the enemies and then i'll just come in and fucking start spraying um 
It's, it's great. It's flexible in that way, in a way that not many games actually nail. Like the stealth seems a little bit janky, but it also seems incredibly functional. But see, yeah, it, this is the thing, right? I think if you if you try to stealth this game like you've stealthed games before, it's janky, but it's not at all. Yeah. Like when I actually played stealth, I was like, people talk about it, they're like, oh, it's so hard to stealth. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like I did the entire opening segment, you know, like um, there's a hotel segment. Basically, there's a segment where you have to get out of a big uh, hotel. We'll just say that. Oh, you stealthed that? I stealthed the entire thing. Um, I didn't my, I stealthed anyone. a little bit and then it janked. I ended up like the second half of it fighting my way out of. Yeah, I didn't have to but... fight anyway, uh, anyone because I, you know, there's so many uh, electronics and there's so many things that you can, you can like start off and stuff that I was able to distract everybody. And like, what was awesome is like, awesome. yeah, because again, it's the optic thing. Like anyone who's using this, I highly recommend that if you're trying to stealth, breaching so you can do like a thing where you breach and then you can um i also see this is the fun thing i, I when you put into your quick hack there's one that allows you to regenerate ram um this is going to sound like super niche but anyway when you regenerate ram it lets you quick hack all the time when you're playing instead of having to wait until yeah. a, a scenario is over yeah so again the optics thing is amazing because if you reset uh, um someone's optics they can't see anymore right and so you can quickly you can you can literally go right in front of them than just on their back and you can stealth them. And so it's just like, that's the way that you get around like being spotted and stuff. And so even when they start to spot me, I'll be like, boop. <laughs> They're just like, fuck. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, 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 there's lots of cool shit. You can spec your characters in so many different ways in this game. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Cyberpunk. Two quick things before we move on from Cyberpunk. First, mm-hmm. if you haven't done it yet, there's a mission right near the top of Watson with a, with a couple of monks. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a rare weapon called Fenrir. It's like an SMG with burn effect. Mm-hmm. Cannot recommend it highly enough. It slaps. Nice. And, and second, the other thing that slaps is the music. The soundtrack, <laughs> I feel like they genuinely nailed. All the car radios, um, all of the music that they've sort of brought up in pre-release. The, the audio I... design is just excellent. Mm-hmm. Go on. Um, I want to say something about the soundtrack because, like, I am not like playing the game. I'm just watching my briefly play it without going to, into too much detail. There was this one side mission because um, he's doing like a lot of side missions in this game. But one in particular stuck out to me because, like, there is a section where the same song keeps playing over and over, like through the entirety of the, um, I guess, the, the brain dance thingy. Mm-hmm. And the music in the background doesn't change at all. <laughs> but what I found really wild is how your perception of the music can change if what you're, what you're watching changes. Hmm. I have to keep props to the game, but even if it can be like a buggy mess at times, <laughs> To the point that you have to uh, load a save file because a character like that was supposed to follow you isn't following you. <laughs> the general like art and music direction has been done like in such a way that it really sucks you in, especially like in these side missions thingy. Because like as an open world game, open world game, I think like Cyberpunk isn't much of an open world game because be- besides the side missions and the messy police system there doesn't seem to be that much to do 
Oh, but it, there's a lot like, to do. <laughs> well, like, so far, so far. Trust me, there's a point, and and your board will find the point where, like, because I, I hit it recently, where I went, "Oh my god!" I had like a trillion <laughs> things to do all of a sudden. <laughs> I guess yeah, I have to wait not... to that point to see. But yeah. the side missions, uh, the scripted sections, the brain dances are done in such a way. Uh, oh my god, this section, like, it had the same music. It was a, a pretty cheery song, in a way. But as the ambient changes, you start perceiving the music as creepy, and you almost swear that the music changes, mm. but it doesn't. Oh. And there's something to say about uh, any kind of direction that can make you perceive things in a different light mm. uh, in a way cyberpunk has been doing so far and, and on that point it's a real shame that this game will always be remembered for not sticking the landing and oh. for, for needing more time in the other night. because it it yeah. it succeeds in spite of all the the technical shortcomings that are undoubtedly present like e- even for me having the best time on a base ps4 there are technical shortcomings and again for me i mean i'm incredibly biased i've been hyped for this game for years i was always going to love it in spite of those things it it sucks that that will always be the caveat to any praise that is given to that game yeah i mean time time will tell right because i think uh, you know it's so funny though actually so it was getting a lot of i think unfair comparisons to no man's sky and and unfair in no man's sky's favor (laughs) because no man's sky really if you actually were paying attention to what that game was about, you were like, oh, we know what this will be. But then people were like hyping it up. But Sean Murray like posted on Twitter. He was like, oh, cool. No Man's Sky is trending. And then he's like, wonder what it's about. And then he just posts this gif of this dude getting his like balls hit by like wood block the whole time. He's like, like no. Hey, um, the comparison's thin, but it is apt because the, the marketing was allowed to snowball in such a way that everyone thought it was going to be their perfect game. Yeah, but that's that different though, right? You, you have to manage expectations. Yeah, but there's to. a difference between managing expectations and releasing a game that almost doesn't function. Do you know what I mean? Like No yeah. Man's Sky totally worked. The game was perfectly functional and perfectly, like, it was fine, right? Um, now, they still, obviously, there's critique to be made there, but I think they've really owned up. That game is crazy now. Um <laughs> But it took them 18 months to get it there. And the, the yeah. question is, if it takes CD Projekt Red even half that long, mm-hmm. will they then get the same goodwill afterwards? Also, They already have they that went... goodwill, though, right? I mean, listen to us talking also, about it. <laughs> the exact same week, they went and shat the bed with devotion. So they couldn't have timed that any worse. You both give me blank looks. Are you unfamiliar with that? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Devotion, Devotion was a um, Asian-made game. Uh, it's a horror title, supposedly really very good, but there was some placeholder graphics um, relating to the the meme that Xi Jinping looks like Winnie the Pooh. They were left in by accident, and yeah, I find it funny too. But the Chinese do not. Um, the Chinese government. We, we, <laughs> no, wow. We're not getting that Huawei sponsor anytime soon, eh? Yeah. Um, so they <laughs> they removed the artwork as soon as as soon as it was pointed out to them, but that wasn't enough. Um, Steam bent the knee and removed the game from Steam. It's it's not available legally anywhere in the West. 
And GOG, in the space of three hours, announced that they would and then actually would no longer be releasing it to their storefront GOG. Yeah, they probably had oh, Chinese yeah. pressure go like, oh, you are going to release? And they're like, no, never mind. <laughs> the, the, the official message read, thanks to many messages from gamers, helpfully omitting the word Chinese before gamers. And uh, But this is the thing. No one would have thought anything if they hadn't announced it. But they announced it. Everyone got super excited. I was excited. I would have been buying it day one, partially yeah. out of morbid curiosity. But then... Yeah. They, they they went and pulled defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, PlayStation pulled Cyberpunk from the digital store, which is like, you know what I mean? That it's like it's kind of wild that they're having a bad week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they are, they are. Uh, it's I don't because you watch MVG as well, don't you on YouTube? Yeah, because he did he did a video the other day saying it's probably a certification thing. They probably got a waiver on the basis that they would get all this fixed day one. They did. That's actually um, exactly what Cyberpunk said. Like like the or CD Projekt Red said that Microsoft in the, in the and Sony. Yeah. It said, like, yes, it's fine. You can release this because you have a day one patch coming. Um, and then Sony was like, God damn it. Where the hell's that fix of the day one patch? It's like, you, you patched it, but you just, you, you, you didn't really do it. <laughs> uh, Sorry, we're, we're, we're breaking up. We said day one crash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. um, all right, well, let's, let's move on. We should actually probably scoot along here. Um, I'll just talk really quick about the other two that I'm playing because it hasn't really changed. I'm playing Kodalka still. Uh, I'm into the second disc. Uh, this game is dope. I still have no idea what's going on. I met a little ghost girl who was very sarcastic and mean to me. Um, <laughs> and, in an American accent. Yeah. And in a, oh, definitely an American accent. Um, little, little Welsh ghost who is very much American. Um, this game is amazing. I still think it's fantastic and people should play it. Um, it's just dope. Uh, and I'm playing Hades now, and I'm really, and I am actually playing Hades. Uh, and this game is also so good. It's just perfected the roguelite. Um, I love. Uh, it's funny. I heard someone talk about this too, but I kind of almost like the moments in between the runs more than the runs themselves. Because um, like, that right, and and not to say that the runs are bad. The runs are great. It's just that like there's this the in between character development stuff and like the things that you can do. It's just like really cool. So anyway, that's what I'm playing. Uh, who wants to take it next? Go on, what about you, Paula? Um, I'm still in the quest of finishing Harry Warrior Sage Family. I'm 39 hours in, uh, still in post-game content. I thought it would take less time to do what I was trying to do. But, well, I say I've been having a lot of fun because of, like, uh, all the different characters and mechanics. So, uh, some of the missions are starting to a little bit thin on my patience so i actually had to take a break of the game like for a couple of days um before jumping back and doing more side missions but still pretty fun but they they really make you work for that for those two last characters <laughs> nice um then is could realize uh Surugane no Kiseki, or could realize uh silver miracles or wintertime miracles as it is known in the west um playing the japanese switch version because i thought it would be like a great idea to try to try to learn some kanji in context in context sorry and i'm barely past the menu screen <laughs> ha it's it's yeah. hard what? listen yeah yeah what is that it is. is it a fan disc or is it like more more code realized in a in a fuller sense it is the second uh, fan disc because Code Relia has two fan discs. Of course it does. 
Of course it does. Um, so the first one is Peter Preston said includes like five absurd stories and like a little side story that it's supposed to be like before the route split on the first game that adds like a new character and a new little plot that is actually pretty fun. Winter Winter Tide Miracles has a lot of content. <laughs> um it's supposed to be like a Christmassy game. Because like it has like what if scenarios like as a Christmas special kind of thing. Uh, it has a another little uh, side story that's supposed to go like after the split in the main game. Mm. I found this actually like pretty good. The two after stories of the two additional uh, routes from Peter Blessings and another like loop of side content because it is a lot it is a lot and actually the, the switch version has like extra content above the original beta version so i <laughs> so love when you talk about these visual novels because it feels like i'm learning like a whole new game language i'm just like <laughs> <laughs> like fan discs i was like what does this even mean <laughs> just like all these things it's, it's great oh my God. <laughs> for the real fans that's yeah what it yeah is. dope that sounds cool yeah. And you're playing um, yeah. Night in the Woods, right? Oh, um, yeah, Night in the Woods. That is mm. um, the game of the month for December, mm. uh, which I think we're probably going to talk about like next episode, if any of you are tackling the game. Actually, you know what? Sorry, you're too I think, I will, I think I will beat it because I, it's my week off now, and I was already halfway through that game before. So, yes, maybe we will talk about that next week together then. <laughs> nice. Actually, it is more than I, was, than I was expecting because, like, I just... That's, like, the first 40 or so minutes in the game. And it, it starts pretty chill, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that it had, like, this fast mini uh, game, which it is awesome. <laughs> and... You're probably gonna know what I'm talking about, but something happened and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's where I am right now. Nice. Rick, why don't you blast us through? What are you You're doing? Okay. I will blast through them. And to be <laughs> fair, I will be able to because most of my time has been taken up with Cyberpunk. So <laughs> there's not a lot of movement in most of the other stuff. So Blasphemous. I actually haven't touched at all this week. Uh, I do need to get back to that because I do like that game. Uh, I've played a little bit of Fall Guys because the mm. Season 3 content drops just happened. And uh, mostly positive, actually. Uh, I really liked the Season 2 content, but it was very thin in mm. terms of what it added. There wasn't really a lot there. And there's a really, really weird new final mode. So it's it's a little bit like, have either of you played any Fall Guys or watched any Fall Guys? Okay. So you know the the hexagon final level where it's like seven or eight layers of oh, hexagon yes. cards. Oh yes. My favorite, my favorite final level. I am the hexagon. Nice. Um, I'm the. <laughs> so they've they've got. Sorry. You know the spinny one that like spins in two different directions. Oh, that's my that's my that. game. Oh, I'm the there champion. <laughs> uh, I I always choke. I always get to like the last three or four, and then I'm watching what they're doing, and I just like take my eye off the off the spinner as it were but the new one they've brought in is i can't remember exactly what it's called but it's like hexagon but instead of like loads of separated single layers it's three layers of, of ice one on top of another 
with um, slight sort of time, you've got three or four seconds on it before it cracks. Um, and I've, I've managed to win my first one of those last night, which was nice. Um, but it, it's a much meatier drop and, and the content's nice. Mm. And uh, it's still a great podcast game. Hint, hint. Thank <laughs> <laughs> him. Rabbids Go Home, same as Blasphemous. I haven't touched it, but I am still playing it. Uh, Racky, I've still been playing. Still great. I still think it's probably better on mobile for anyone who's listening and wants to give it a go. But it's it's absolutely playable on PC and it is still great to dip in and out of for five minutes at a time, which, especially since we moved to work from home and, and have various other things going on that way, um, there's been sort of a pattern of my playthroughs and my completions where I've had to have always at least one game on the go where I can pick it up for a few minutes and put it down. Recky's been great for that. Uh, and then just finally, um, I've gone back to Rayman 3 for the Game Boy Advance and cover your ears, Super Mario World fans. I like it more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a newer game, right? It's built on it. It, it, it's great and it, it looks really pretty and it plays quite well there are two major drawbacks the first one based on what i know of some of the other 2d rayman games this is a common criticism the camera is very close mm. so there, there are lots of leaps of faith there are lots of situations where until you've died you can't really know it's coming but for the most part even on game overs your respawns are quite generous in terms of how close you come that's also and a general Game short. Boy problem. Like the Game Boy Advance is yeah. zoomed in in most games. It's it's just kind of a general issue on that handheld um, for platformers. Yeah, Although some especially games like, do it. So I go. Especially like on the ports from Super Nintendo games. Yeah. A lot of those have the same issues, especially like the platformers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, unless you want to rebuild it, there's no way to properly scale it from from the SNES screen to that. Exactly. Um, but it, it all depends on the kind of platform you build. Like the Castlevania games on GBA, there's a platforming component to them. But the sprites are a little bit smaller. Um, it, it's set up in such a way as I never thought about it once. But I do find myself playing this, thinking about it quite a lot. But I'm about halfway through. I think it, I think if it felt like it was going to be a long game, I might say, okay, I've had my fill and, and shelve it. But I suspect I'll finish it before I'm even thinking about that. Um, the other problem is that the map system's kind of shite. So instead of having say super mario 3 for example or uh, or super meat boy where you've got a level map and you move from point to point to point and then go into the level uh the level map is a level in and of itself hmm. and so that that zoomed in camera problem compounds itself because it's quite difficult to know if you've hit all of the levels gotcha. in a level and, and if you want to go back to a specific level you won't necessarily remember where that level is in the level Level, level, level. That's gonna be but... <laughs> level, 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 level. <laughs> but it, it is good. Given I, I got it complete in box for four pounds, I, I feel quite good about the purchase. Nice. And uh, I suspect that'll be one of the games that I finish sort of this side of twenty twenty. So okay. I've Do been you... having a lot of fun with that. But I bought it full price rather than downloading it as part of a digital games bundle that's true so, uh before we jump into that though uh paula did you want to talk about smash for a second there you, yes yeah, sorry that's okay. oh yeah because like sephiroth was announced for super smash bros ultimate mm-hmm. and you can actually unlock him earlier because mm-hmm. he's supposed to come out like officially on the 22nd if i remember correctly yeah, I think so. but there's the sephiroth challenge event where uh, you can actually like battle one on one, one stock each in that mode where you instead of bringing up the percentage, mm-hmm. 
you have to make him reach zero or get him or get him out of the state somehow. Hmm. Um, unsurprisingly, the very hard mode is very hard. <laughs> <laughs> sort of in the name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it was actually pretty fun because like uh, it felt different from trying to uh, from getting the other characters because you actually have to uh, battle him to get him mm. earlier than than you than than usual. And it was a lot of fun. Also, separate is broken. Oh, the yeah. range is insane. Yeah, <laughs> his range, range looks is, nuts. The range is completely insane. And if you if you screw up what you're doing really easily, he will launch you in the air and start like juggling you in the air and bye bye health. He also has a counter, and since I'm using, I was using current to unlock him. I had him like at one or so HP left. He conjured me. Ooh, the nerve of him. Heavy. <laughs> yeah. uh, my yes. victory was uh, a little bit shameful because like I you uh, cheesed it. I cheesed I cheesed it by accident. <laughs> because like um yeah it was by accident because like uh, I have the I'm sure it drip. was <laughs> I have a Joy-Con Drift mm-hmm. um, on all my right Joy-Cons. So sometimes what happens is that my character gets stuck like in the charging smash animation. Mm. And, but that actually worked for me. Because like I actually like landed the first hit and got him like kind of far from the ledge and he had to recover but since I was going to hit him but mm. since I got stuck I actually hit him like with the right timing by accident and sent him far enough that he couldn't recover I did him <laughs> like in seven seconds in that one run we take those <laughs> so yeah I have Sephiroth everything um should we move on then yes yeah. let's and I'll, I'll let you two sort of dominate the floor on this because you actually have game <laughs> streaming services which is our topic of the week so yeah take basically it i mean like not necessarily game streaming but like also just like game pass like digital subscriptions all, all these good things the, the new world of gaming one might say <laughs> uh yeah paul and i have both been doing game pass i've been doing game pass now since i got my series x um and i have to say like it it's really a phenomenal service particularly i think in countries where games are getting just so expensive um especially here, like to buy a new game, is just, I don't want to. <laughs> it's so much money. <laughs> um, and what I've, what I've found happening for me is that I'm actually less interested in some of the blockbuster games, weirdly enough, on, on, these, uh, on Game Pass. And it's actually some of the smaller shit that I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to play like that little game, like Outer Wilds, for instance, right? I was like, oh, I really want to play Outer Wilds. And then it's also letting me go back and play like, I was like, oh man, Fallout New Vegas. Like, I'd really love to go play that again. And it's just like, oh yeah, it's right there. Okay, I guess I'll go play Fallout New Vegas. And it's like all of these older games that I've always wanted to experience or or, or maybe just missed. And having the opportunity to just kind of like pop it onto my console and just get right into it has been so amazing. Um, and so like, 
on the console side of things, it's been great for me. And there's always like something new coming in, like Doom Eternal's on there. And I'm just like, oh shit, I gotta go play that soon. <laughs> you know, like, very good, right? And it's just like all of these, I don't know, it's almost dizzying the amount of choice that you have in there, um, which I will say does sort of make you, well, it makes me less compelled to necessarily beat games, but I think that's okay. You know, like I'm more interested in like, for instance, the rise, it's like, it's, it's, there's less of this need to be like, Oh, I have to beat it. Cause I paid for it. It's more like, no, I can just play it and enjoy it. Um, for the amount that I want. And then if I feel like it, yeah, I can go back later. Right. And so like, I kind of like that. It's like, there's no pressure. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't feel like pressure to like, you gotta beat this damn thing, man. You spent your hard earned money on it. And I'm like, nah, I did, but it's a subscription, and I can just play it every game if I want. Um, so that's been really, really nice. Uh, what about you, Paul? Though, how's your Game Pass experience going? Because you're mostly on PC for it, right? Or only? <laughs> yeah. So before Game Pass, I actually tried PS. It's not PS now. That's the streaming one. But I actually uh, before uh, PlayStation completely pulled the plug in the uh, on the Vita. Sad. I mm. sad. <laughs> I actually had like the subscription for uh, PS4 where you get like a couple of games each month. Oh, PS4. And you have to actually like uh, do the thing where you add them to your library. Yeah. And the one thing I didn't like about that is that, well, in any subscription, you completely lose access to all the games once you stop paying for it. Mm-hmm. And also, streaming for the PS4 sucks. Like, badly mm. so i think i tried ps now at some point and i was like okay this is play i will buy ended up like canceling my subscription like uh, to everything ps4 because like i didn't play with my ps4 enough to justify it and since they were like not supporting the beta anymore it was like okay why even bother at this point mm. fuck you too then yeah <laughs> yeah well, uh, so with a sour taste in my mouth, it actually took me a while to actually start considering Game Pass. And I have mm. to say, Game Pass is amazing so far because like <laughs> I had like all these little indie games that I really, really, really wanted to try. Mm-hmm. I was like, but I, um, I'm doubtful because like I could try technically buy it on Steam and then try it. And if I don't like it, I can get that refund. But there was like that maybe maybe not mentality mm-hmm. where i think a subscription allows you to try stuff you're unfamiliar with without feeling guilty yeah yeah especially this it... um low income countries like where i live <laughs> and where games are skyrocketing in price because damn you usd <laughs> damn you dollar <laughs> I know, damn the dollar. <laughs> damn the dollar. So not only games are getting more expensive overall, like 70 USD for like PS5 games and X, uh, Xbox Series games. Mm. Or you can pay this subscription for 15 a month. It's actually, uh, it's actually cheaper here because like, I don't know what... I don't know what Xbox, I mean, Microsoft is doing. I don't know how Microsoft makes money anymore from the gaming. Oh, thingy. they make a lot of money from Game Pass. Oh, <laughs> well, sorry, Game Pass. Microsoft yeah. makes bank off 
everything else they do. Microsoft actually no, don't make money from games. They, yeah. It's the same as Google and YouTube. But it's let's not they like kid ourselves. Profit, bonus. Yeah, exactly. They, they yeah, make well, money exactly. off games. <laughs> yeah, they make money off yeah. games, but like, mm-hmm. I guess it is a very smart strategy because the, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's see how much is Game Pass now. Mm-hmm. And it was like 500 CLP. Mm. That is less than a dollar. Mm. A month. Uh, for the first month, but also mm. it was like, hey, you can pay a dollar for uh, Ultimate, mm-hmm. and we give you two extra months for free. And see, that is unique like, down there. Yeah. That's the smart thing, though, right? They're trying to get into countries, I think, where they know that gaming is a lot of money. Right, and it's intense, yeah. but they also know yeah. that everyone wants to fucking game, right? Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter where you live; like, most people want a game, and so like getting in and being like, "Here is an affordable way for you to do it," is like smart shit. It's this is why I like this because obviously, with all of these things, um, you know, it, it benefits Microsoft in some way. But what's nice is that this is one of those policies where it has. Um, I think like equal benefits for gamers and for the company, right? So it's like one of those uh, situations where I know Rick, you're shaking, but hear me out. Yeah, because... I'm shaking my hand on camera, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll hold my phone for now. Yeah, because here because the the reality with this is that um, not only is this excellent for for like the consumer because we're like, oh look, we're able to actually play these games and like it's it's fun and it's it's like similar to Netflix, right? And, and in a way where Netflix is like, oh, you can get it if if it leaves Netflix, you can still get it right? Like there's that, there's that thing where it's like, I know how to get this. Um, same with sort of Game Pass. It's like, you can get the game on Game Pass and you can play it. And if it does leave Game Pass eventually, well, it's not like it vanishes into thin air and it's gone forever. It's like, no, that game still exists. Um, and you can still go get it if you want it. Um, but um, it provides security for smaller studios, right? That is one of the best things. Like Double Fine and Obsidian, like they both have said, they're just like, oh my God, we don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay my employees tomorrow because they've been acquired by Microsoft. Because they were bought out, yeah, rather yeah, than being Because, and remember Pass. that, a lot of the ones who've been bought out, that's that's the helpful thing. But Game Pass has helped with that too. But even smaller, like, uh, indies are just like, oh my God, we get this nice purchase from Microsoft, which, like, even if they don't sell their game more, which they will, it's like, not only do you get paid for your game being put on Game Pass, which is amazing for them. It's like, oh, look, we've got money coming in. This is probably going to cover a lot. But you've also likely just put your game into the path of so many more gamers in the sense that like you've mentioned too, Paula, where it's like, oh, maybe I'll just go try that indie game because why not, right? Um, it's like, mm-hmm. why not? And then suddenly people who maybe have been like, I don't think I want to take a, tr- like a like try that. I think Carrion is actually a good example of this sort of Metroidvania game that um, released on Game Pass um, and a lot of people ended up playing it and it got quite a bit of attention. And it's like, again, a game that, probably would have done okay without but has maybe received a bolster but of course it's hard to know because you, there's no like this it's mostly just like intuiting and like sort of thinking like maybe this is possible because obviously there's no like hard data on this of like a game a game pass does it get more um you know play so anyway but rick why don't you tell us why you think game pass is a bad idea <laughs> well let let me talk about all the positives before mm-hmm. i start raining on everyone's parade so mm-hmm. um i don't think about it that way but i do have ps plus Partially because mm-hmm. I, I play Call of Duty with friends, so you, you just sort of have to have the online component. Yeah. Ditto, Fall Guys, ditto, a few other things. Um, one of the big benefits of the games you do get through that mm-hmm. versus Game Pass is they're not going anywhere. As long as you mm-hmm. have your subscription, 
those games you get will always be available to you. Yeah. Um, which is a, a key distinction, and it, it, I'll come back to that later, I suppose. No argument from my front that, that, that Game Pass is a stupid good value proposition, even at the price that we pay in the West versus in, in, in sort of South, Central South America, as you say, other places where mm. gaming is otherwise prohibitively expensive. Mm. And it definitely is good for discoverability, though. Those are all good points. And if it's one thing within the landscape, I have no problem. My worry is if the only way to consume those games becomes you have to buy this subscription. Oh, totally. and you don't know how long the game's going to be on there. Oh, and you don't know what's going to happen to your saves if and when you have to take a couple of months off the subscription. Oh, and you don't really own the game itself. Um, it that becomes a concern for me. One of my one of my pet things is sort of ownership, and particularly in terms of EULAs. So with digital purchases you don't actually own them. You have purchased a license to access that content. Yeah. Which is fine at the moment because nobody's trying to be skeevy about it at mm -hmm. the moment. And to be clear, I play a lot of games on PC. I have to buy all those digitally. But mm -hmm. also, PC is an open garden. Mm -hmm. And most of the things that I buy digitally, if there were to be a problem, I could still play. Mm-hmm. You know, I could still make them work. All the saves are, are downloaded externally. I can back those up myself. It, all these things, sort of the securities and and um, fail safes and fallbacks that you don't have in a closed garden like Sony's or Microsoft. But on on PS4, on on handhelds and everything else, I, I buy almost exclusively physically. Uh, because apart from anything else, you you know if if you're the kind of person where once you play the game, if you're not bothered about it anymore, you sell it. That value proposition changes all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're the kind of person like me who buys most games sort of six to 12 months after release for Peanuts, again, mm -hmm. that, that value proposition isn't necessarily as strong as it once was. And again, I appreciate that I live in England. My situation is different to some other people in different parts of the globe. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's a thing. So my position isn't necessarily that these things are inherently evil and awful and must be raised from the earth. My position <laughs> is one of cautious skepticism. Um, and and to, to tie a bow on this in a positive note, I am actually planning, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, so I'm, I'm moving out of my current place uh, when the rent comes, when the rent finishes at the end of June. Mm. by that point i'll have some money saved up hopefully the mm. scalpers will have given up and gone home and, and <laughs> um some of the some of the components will actually be buyable again uh and i'm planning to build a rig and, and one of the things i'm planning to do once i've done that because i've, I've never owned an xbox piece of hardware mm. um i was on ps2 then i was on wii then i came very late to the ps3 and ps4 party right so it my, my gaming has always either been handheld and, and that's not an xbox thing or the other platforms. So I, I am contemplating once a rig is together, buying two or three months of Game Pass and just setting aside some time to raise through all the games, particularly Microsoft exclusives, and then see what time I've got left. But yeah. all the things and from that perspective, as someone who isn't especially bothered about that ecosystem, who's willing to blaze it for a short period of time, that would be I'm not sure how it's priced here, but sort of between thirty five and fifty pounds for all those games for a free for a three month period again you, you can't you can't shake a stick at that that's very good mm -hmm. plus um, you'll probably be able to get a free month um deal like almost yeah. all game pass it's like the first month is a dollar kind of thing 
I'll, I'll be able to blag an introductory thing and, and remember to cancel it. I'm, I'm terrible for that. I always do it like where they're giving you, because this is another thing with subscription services, and this isn't exclusive to the game-related ones. This is Netflix and Prime and Deliveroo and, and anything that does a subservice. Even gyms, most subscriptions are people who bought it and forgot to cancel it. Yeah. Even they don't use it. Yep. And, and this is why companies are so keen to throw a free trial or a, a, mm-hmm. a really sweet introductory offer to you because they know that a significant percentage of you will just keep on paying. We'll forget tip. about it. Okay. Uh, is it pro Set tip? a calendar reminder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Every time I have multiple, I have calendar reminders for every subscription that I have. Whenever I do it, I go, "When's the renew date?" And I pop it in there, and it's like cancel. And so I'm, I never get caught. I cancel every time. And then what always happens too is, especially new like streaming services, they go, "Oh, would you like another month for free?" And I'm like, "I would." <laughs> Just keep. <going. laughs> and then I set the renew date again. I think Shutter gave me three full. Like I, Shutter had like um a three month or something free. It's like the horror streaming thing free, and then I think they gave me three like extra free months three times because I kept um so like I had an extra three months in total because I kept going off and they were like please come back and I went sure and then I would do it again they go please come back I was like sure and I was like that until I was like I'm done you know but I think so so I know what you're saying and like I agree like if it becomes just that for sure but I actually don't think we have to worry too much about that yet because like. Like when you, even when you look at the Netflix world, it's like, um, yeah, Netflix has got this big sort of, I, I would say, a, a monopoly in a lot of ways. But then also, look at what happens, right? Disney Plus, for example. Holy hell. Um, the amount of, like, personally for me, Star Wars content coming out of that, I'm just like, dope. And the fact that, like, these streaming things, it's like so many of them can be shared now, right, between people. So it's like, I don't actually pay much anymore. I pay way less than my parents ever paid for, like, cable or satellite, you know? Um, and so, uh, and then there's also, you can still just buy discs or you can download TV shows, you know what I mean? And so, like, I feel like with gaming, um, it's a concern for sure and like keep an eye on it but i also just don't think we're ever really gonna fully move away from physical or from the ability to buy games in other in other formats just because i'd, you have I'd be surprised if they don't try and move away from physical sooner rather than later because yeah. physical is more expensive for the platform they get less from it yeah. from the from the off yeah it's and just got the second hand market and that's part of a wider concern yeah but there's just too many places where you can't reasonably go digital only um there's just too many regions that you can't yeah i know but but again you're saying yet but yet is a long way off and i mean i think we had this conversation 10 years ago even where people thought like digital is the only way of the future and it's like i feel like it just keeps getting pushed off and off and off i do agree with you i think we're going to hit a future where there will be less physical releases and they'll be much smaller um but i think it i think we're still still a fair ways off until storage becomes significantly cheaper and significantly bigger. Um, I think we're, we're still, we're still far ways away from that. Plus gamers love collecting shit, you know, um, look at it now. There's been a resurgence of indie games and like games receiving physical releases because people just want it so bad. Paula, what were you going to say? Oh yeah. But I don't really think like digital is going away like anytime soon, especially because like uh, there's entire countries that they don't ha- really have like good internet. Yeah. Um. So like purely streaming, like streaming your 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 game from a cloud, that ain't gonna happen anytime soon. Like, um. <laughs> this uh, is my prediction. This yeah, games prediction. as a service. Um, like you can download that to the you can actually download them to your disk. That is like 
something I can see like getting on as time go as time goes on and games get more expensive. As you say, like uh, some indie releases actually get like physical releases because people will want them so much and they like collecting stuff. And I am guilty as charge of that too. Yeah. Um, Plus, you also so, oh sorry yeah. to the point like. I I will actually like go out of my way to import a game if it mm. doesn't get here like uh to the to answers. Yeah. And one more thing that mm. is like in Japan, especially like visual novels and mm -hmm. um other games like very partic particularly. Mm -hmm. You can you you're gonna find people that have more than one copy of the game. Because the stores have like these uh, exclusive uh, gifts or merch that you can get if you buy their game in their stores. And people love that. And I've seen some and they are crazy. Like, hmm. I think in the Fiori fan, uh, fan disc release on Japan, there were like, there was one of each that had like, uh crystal uh cup uh for wine nice so if you see like for example in japan you see like all this crazy shit and uh, at least for the nintendo switch that is like very strong right now in japan i don't think uh, physical is going away just yet that's fair all right Rick, because people you're, love you're it. Up. now now's my prediction i think your optimism is both misplaced for the first time ever, both the, the big consoles, sorry Nintendo, have discless versions. The push has already begun. And my prediction is within two console generations, there will not be a disk drive. And see, here's where I'm going to push back because this is a conversation we have in other forms of media. Um, the Kindle came out and it, you know they were like, books are going away. Um audio went online and people said, aha, no one wants physical anymore. And what do we see? We see a resurgence in vinyl. Vinyl is huge now. People are buying mm. vinyl in crazy stacks. I've got vinyl over in my <laughs> corner over here. Um, I got books all over my shelves. People were suddenly like, you know, I do like books. And so what I imagine happening is, yes, we'll see a bit of a push, but we're going to see 100% a resurgence in a desire for physical media. Um, mm. And we're already seeing it in some ways. Is it smaller than what we've had in the past? Totally. Yes, it's, it's definitely not as huge and expansive as it was before, but it never goes away because people like it and nostalgia hits uh, hits hard, right? And so I always just think that why have one when you can have it all, right? And so like I think the companies mm -hmm. are like, you know what? I lose market share and I lose um, customers if I get rid of my physical um, copies because there is a market for that. So I yeah. think, you know what I mean? I think you're right. I think they're going to push. And so I think the emphasis will be on digital, which is actually kind of okay because what will probably happen is digital games will probably be even cheaper. Which, Not on Xbox and um, PS4. They said that back in PS3 and Xbox, it's the same price as Xbox. Xbox games are real cheap. Uh, but I mean, like, there's sales more frequently. Like, the games there, like, I have to say every fucking week there are sales. Like, I'll I've, give you that one. I'll give you that one. Yeah, right? And yeah. so that's what I think the emphasis becomes. They sell the digital games cheaper. Um, and then they'll always still have the physical for if you need it. And because when you think about it, your value, you're like, w sorry, just finished my economics course. Uh, but <laughs> your willingness to purchase a physical copy is more than the people who want to get digital, right? You value physical more. So they're going to sell you the physical game probably for a little bit more expensive. 
but it's still going to be sold there, right? Anyway, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I think you're right, but I also think there's a caveat there too. <laughs> that was our conversation on games as a service. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to to loop it back around, mm-hmm. as part of a wider ecosystem, I think mm-hmm. we're all in agreement that subscription services like Game Pass are good things and oh, provide totally. really stupid good value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that we should Consensus. be skeptical like about it. them too yeah and, and i think you're right like we should be skeptical about them like we you don't want to just take it at face value all the time like yeah definitely there's definitely merit to being skeptical of uh, of these services um just like with netflix right just like be wary <laughs> uh, nice okay why don't we move on to our question uh i have to admit i'm really hoping you two take the brunt of this question because <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so this is uh, Avataj asked uh, what is your favorite PC exclusive game and what PC genre and or game do you think would benefit from being on console and what would suffer from being on console so um, to give a little description of like for example many real time strategies don't port console very well along with grand strategies etc etc however other genres like fps have been ported all the time even though they are inferior at best and unplayable at worst when they make the jump to console i disagree but that's because i'm a console raised uh fellow um so yeah why don't we um why, why don't we take it away here who, who would like to jump on this question first i think it's interesting paula go ahead yeah uh so this is very interesting because i actually started playing like on PC because I love to play like RTSs. RTSs don't translate well at all on console because you have to do so many clicks per second to actually be uh, competitive or even competent at RTSs. I think like I think like technically you can say Pikmin has some RTS on it, but that is like a very special case, but games like Warcraft 3 or any of the Age of Empires games, hmm. those, and I, I, oh yeah, there's actually a port of uh, Age of Empires 2 for the PS2. And I think there's a very good reason why people hasn't, haven't tried to port that series to a console again. They did port it to the DS, but they wisely chose to make it a turn-based strategy game. Yeah, I had that as a kid. It slapped just on a slight tangent. Age of Empires, <laughs> Age of Empires, Age of Kings, Chef Kiss. Yeah, I have to say, like, <laughs> I was having such a hard time with this because there's not many PC exclusives anymore. You know, like, um, PC is really, and, and which isn't the strength of the PC anyway, right? Like, the strength of the PC is versatility, uh, maximizing Couldn't settings and stuff, right? So, like, and, and like, honestly, usually things that are cheaper. So like, it's kind of that, and like a crazy indie scene. So when I was thinking about this, I was like, Jesus, all I can think about is like what you said, Paul, it was like RTSs, like my Rise of Nations and like uh, all those Age of Empire games. Even even I used to think Civ couldn't be ported and then they ported it and it was good. I was like, what? But it's way better on PC. Um, Mm. But I think a game that I do think would be very good on consoles, and I'm pretty sure it's coming to consoles anyway, and I've been waiting with bated breath, is Disco Elysium. That's what... It is. It's been confirmed for Xbox. Yeah, and I'm just like, gimme, 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 because I keep hearing everything about it. And like those... But, you know, this is... Yeah. So CRPGs, actually. Take a second here. Uh, Because I talked about Divinity, I think, on this podcast 
way at the beginning, Divinity Original Sin 2, and I fucking hate that game, but I know people love it, like it's amazing, and it's just this PC darling. Playing it on console is a miserable experience. Um, now, they translated it well, but it's still a miserable experience, um, and I think those that's a genre, like the heavy inventory management genres, um, right? Like, you know, these games, these, these CRPGs that have crazy menu systems with like tons of inventory, a lot, a lot of like loot that you pick up. When you play that on a console, uh, I'd rather die because like trying to navigate through all of it with a fucking thumbstick is takes forever. You're like, I just want to fucking select the, and you're like going down like a long list. And like, it just, it clearly is meant for a PC where you can just click, 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 click everything. Right. Um, and I bet you, I would have liked it more if I played it on the PC because in general, clicking around in that strategic kind of gameplay, it just works better with a mouse because it's just so, so much more direct. Right. Um, I don't know. That that's kind of my take on it. What what do you think, Greg? I've sort of taken a slightly different approach to it because I think what Abatage is really asking, mm-hmm. he says, knowing Abatage's <laughs> thoughts and feelings, is is sort of games that would benefit from working with a controller. Yeah. And yeah. while while there is controller support, mm-hmm. it is true that generally games like RTSs struggle with that medium theoretically so do fps's but one people have got quite used to just working with the twin stick and two and it's something i hope that the the big console manufacturers sort of twig into as a control option going forward um have you guys seen like flick stick gyro controls for control for oh i've heard of these yeah yeah but i haven't really the the concept is um the dualshock 4 and i think the Xbox One and Series controllers have a gyroscope in them. So instead of using the right stick to aim, the idea is that you use the right stick to orientate your character in 360-degree space, and then you use the gyro to move the reticule. Mm. Reticle. And there is a learning curve, as there is with anything, but it is very, very close to the kind of versatility that you have with mouse look. Mm. Uh, the other, The other caveat as someone who's a proud owner of not just one, but two Steam controllers, is that the flexibility those give you to remap things is crazy. Mm-hmm. So because, for anyone who doesn't know, a Steam controller um, looks a little bit like an Xbox pad, but there's a few differences. Firstly, you've got two grips built in, mm-hmm. which I always loved. It's one of the big reasons I bought it in the first place, because when this first came out, that was before Sony had their back button attachment it was about the same time as the Elite controller brought that functionality to Xbox. And, and grip, grip buttons, I'm gutted that they haven't added them to the base controllers for the new gen because they really are a game changer. Um, but beyond that, it only has a single analog stick. In place of the D-pad and the uh, right analog stick are a pair of trackpads with haptic feedback, um, various sensitivity touch points, and between community setups and, and taking your own time to work within the the mapping software through steam you can make some really crazy macros setup mm-hmm. options so i've seen for example people use the right trackpad as a menu so you have like nine different buttons on that trackpad and then you like click the pad in when you're when you're hovering on that region of the pad to do it you can set up menus you can do things in combination with other trackpads uh, you can set up a modifier so you can make left bumper a modifier so that nine menu circle can become 18. And suddenly things where you need lots of inputs very quickly, you can have 18 under one thumb. Mm-hmm. And, and then games like RTS is immediately 
are, if not completely viable, are more viable uh, than they ever were. So I, I think with the right tools and the right patience, anything can be played on a controller if you have the right controller. Oh, yeah. that, that's, my, that's my personal view of it. Um, <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of what my favorite PC games are, I, again, because I'm, I'm sat on a laptop with a 960M graphics card and a like mm-hmm. fourth gen Intel processor, the games I'm playing aren't like massive graphical powerhouses. Most yeah. of them have at least one console port, but if the ones that haven't, um, they're all they're all nine out of tens. Um, there are for me um, some of the ten milligram games that we talked about mm-hmm. a couple of months back um, on the podcast. Uh, there's a game called Heat Signature by the maker of Gunpoint. It's like a, a top-down twin-stick shooter, but with hacking elements and. Here's my challenge, um, though. What's your favorite? <laughs> What's my favorite? Heat yeah. signature was something else. Heat signature is if if I had to pick the one, that would be the one I'd go for. Nice. Um, and I would recommend it to anyone with a PC and who likes that kind of um, emergent gameplay because it, it mm. there's a lot of flexibility in its systems. And I suspect, from a processing perspective, that's maybe why it's not made it to consoles mm. yet. So, um, yeah, you can teleport you can throw guns you can sort of stop time and because it's set in space what you can do uh if you need to get out of a ship quickly because there's this heist missions for example where you need to to get apart from a ship uh you can blow a hole in the hull of the spaceship let yourself be sucked out into the void and then fly your spaceship to pick you up after mm-hmm. it's the amount of stuff that game lets you do is crazy but in, in terms of, of what games would benefit from going console, one, I think that game would. But also, I think this is going back to what you were saying, Alex, and what you were saying, Paul. Most games do. Mm-hmm. And, and specifically going back to what you said, Alex, in terms of where the PC strength lies, I, I couldn't agree more that it's no longer, even in graphical oomph necessarily, mm-hmm. and it, it's not in versatility of input necessarily. I, I genuinely think it is a, a question of being an open garden, having access to mods and versatility mm-hmm. of storefront and all of those other things. So 10 milligrams that I mentioned before, that collection is not viable on any console mm-hmm. because of the amount of developers involved in the collection, because they're all sold separately. Uh, the, the fees you would need to get it on the storefront in the first place. The fact that they're all developed sort of, very bare bones with minimal input stuff that you couldn't get away with to get through Sony certification because you'd have to have all the button prompts be right and all that other bollocks. There's great experiences that mainly for for economic, but for for one logistical reason or another, wouldn't work on consoles, but shouldn't be missed irrespective. And I think that's that's where the strength of playing things on PC is as it stands. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Also on PC, you can bypass a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because, yes. like, my university, like, all the computers are... You can't really install anything on them. And hmm. um, here's where my favorite PC, quote-unquote exclusive, I say, because, like, why would anyone play, like, Age of Empires on a PS2? <laughs> uh, but Age of Empires 2... Uh, not the definitive edition, the base edition. It's kind of like my favorite uh, PC game for the most stupid reason because like we man- we found a way to put it like on a USB stick 
as an executable and we don't have to install it. Nice. So what we uh, usually do like uh, the university when there's either like not a lot of stuff going on or when everyone goes like into a strike and there's no classes and we have nothing nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. We actually just take over the computer room and start playing Age of Empires there. And it is amazing because I've never had, like, before that, I've never done, like, a LAN party. Mm-hmm. Um, at most, I would play, like, work free with my siblings, and we're, like, four. But playing Age of Empires with people, with people you know all around you, uh, it is an amazing experience, to be honest. Because, all about like, um so yeah that would be like my favorite PC game uh, if you want to go like for PC exclusive that would be like work of free but yeah uh but yeah the versatility of PC is stupid the things that I would think would benefit of going to a console is anything that can be played with a controller because the more exposition you give to a game the better um there are actually games like Dark Souls that you don't want to play on a keyboard you don't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anything that can be played decently in a in a controller can benefit greatly from going to more platforms. Nice. Um, yeah. Just... Although on PC it gives you that flex anyway. It's going back to that versatility thing. If you want to play with a controller, you can. Generally speaking, like obviously mm-hmm. developer input notwithstanding. Mm. Um, I'll shout out real quick my my favorite PC. It's not an exclusive game, but I think it's best played on the PC. Knights of the Old Republic, oh. the first one. It's just best played on the PC, you know? Like, there's an Xbox port, and it's it's good. It, it's functional. But I just think having the mouse for that game just made it so much better. I, I just, I loved I loved playing it there. Um, why don't we move on then? Because uh, we're, we're running a little, a little late here, and I hear my puppy yeah. stirring. <laughs> um, don't worry, I'm ready to go. So without further ado, Excellent. I'll hit the randomize button. It's time for how long to beat Ooh. the game. Saturday Ooh. morning RPG. Oh, that... Yeah, I have no idea how long that is. I know what game you're no, talking me about. Neither. Me neither. Right, I'm I'm gonna jump in both feet first. Okay. I'm gonna say main ten hours, and I'm gonna say main plus seventeen hours. How much time do we have when we when we do um the just when you choose two? Is it two hours or three? I think we've said two before. If you want it to be three, yeah. it can be three. No, as, I, as long as we know it's two. It's two. It's two, it's two within two. Yeah. Yeah. It's two within two. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go a little less. I don't, I don't think this is a very long game. I'm going to say eight hours for main. And I'm mm-hmm. going to go 11 hours for main plus. And I, I don't think I'm going to try completionist because I have no idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you're smiling, Rick. Do you know something about this game? <laughs> no, no, but I'm, I'm cautiously confident. I, full context, retired this game. I played it for 10 minutes, went, nope, not for me. Because oh. <laughs> I've never heard about this. Like, It's uh, it's like a, a SNES-style RPG. It's quite graphically nice in fairness, but it's, it's themed around like Saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. stories. You know what? I'm going to do 9 and 15, actually. That's where I'm going. 9, Nine and 15? Ooh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to go where you are, but I'm going there. What do you think, Polly? <laughs> it's like um, one of those indies. Yeah. 
guess what the hell I mean I kinda want to go like Bearing in mind you've got ground to catch up. I guess. Sorry? I'm not gonna try seven for main um okay. ten for main plus. Anything more than that is probably way more than me. Because it kinda of reminds me of this the arcade game that a friend broke the on a USB stick one day and was like two hours, but still was an RPG. Wow. So, are we all happy with those scores before I hit the reveal? Let's do it. Um, let's do it. Let's go. Oh, I think we've both. I think we've all shot the bad. So, God damn it! I knew I was right. <laughs> Main story four hours, which uh, I believe precludes us all immediately. Yep. Uh, Main plus is ten hours. No, sorry. Main plus is seven and a half hours. And completionist yeah. is 16 hours. I would have been wrong either yeah, way. I overshot. I knew this had to be a short game. I was like, there's just no way this game is long. Like, <laughs> it's episodic. It's episodic. Yeah. What I've overestimated is how long those episodes really took to play. Yeah. Did you yeah. say it is not it, well reviewed? Uh... <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. 62% well, is not what? bad. Damn it. I might. Oh no, I think that's hair. I was going to say I think that that dev went on to make good stuff though. Yeah. Um, well, that leaves our standings at hair-brained. Alex ten, Rick ten, and Paula three. We're all on the scoreboard, yep. but there's no winner yet. <laughs> uh, shall we end it there then, folks? Thank you for listening. Yes, let's. Until next week. See you later. See you. Lovely jubbly. <laughs> <laughs>